Michael, that is so beautiful, right? He, you see me? He, he, he faked me out. He slowed down and gave a big old space. Welcome to PCC, where we're worshiping Jesus Christ. We are living out God, the Father's love, and we're transforming community by the Holy Spirit. This will be my first announcement. Next, next, next Sunday, um, right after the service, we'll be doing our Christmas lunch. Make sure... If you don't have one or two of these in your orders of worship, grab a couple. Invite your neighbors. Invite people. This is, this is the doorway into the church. Who in here likes to have parties? Who in here likes to have fun? Like, that's one of these places, right? I see that guy's hand went way higher than mine because he's way taller than me. Um, we're beginning Advent. This is, isn't this the beautiful season right now? We're just living off of Thanksgiving. Are you still grateful? Me too. Let's hang on to that, you know? Let's keep moving in that direction. I like that. Um, And there's other announcements throughout your orders of worship. There's Lunch Munch coming up. There's Operation Christmas Child, Success, Praise God, Hip Hip Hooray, right? Hip Hip? That's kind of weak. Hip Hip? But I did spring it on you. That's A plus right there. 2,256 boxes. Wow. That's amazing, right? Yeah, a round of applause. Once again, thanks to Carlina, Macy, and Kathy Burns. What a good day to praise the Lord. Um, let's, greet, let's greet one another with the holy fist bump because there's still some colds rolling around, but let's uh, make sure everybody feels welcome in this place. If you all will start heading back to your seats, I will call us to worship today. I love this time of the service. Please stand. We're going to have our call to worship this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice even now for a little while while you have suffered various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Please pray with me. Holy, merciful, and loving God, in whom we live and move and have our being, in this Advent season, you remind us that you sent your Son as our promise of life eternal. We praise you that in Christ you have made us whole again. We gather together to hear his coming announced and anxiously wait for the dawn of your redeeming grace. May your spirit rest heavily upon each one of us this Christmas season, that we may be heard above the clatter with shouts of joy that Jesus Christ has come, bringing with him our redemption and salvation. Thank you, Father. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stay standing and sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
And I'd like to invite Doid, uh, not Doid, Donna and Lloyd Bennett up here. And we're going to do something, uh, we're doing it a little different like last year. Um, I've asked each one to share just something that they've learned about hope lately. But in the meantime, and in the process, let us know a little bit about yourself. I don't think there's an on button. Let's check that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good morning. We're honored that Jason asked us to light the first candle of Advent. Um, he did ask us to speak about God. He asked us to speak about God and hope. And I was going to speak a little bit about God. Um, one of the expressions we hear a lot today are God moments. And I was not raised in a, an observant home. So my first God moment actually occurred in my 20s when I was in college. Oh, can you hold that? Thanks. And it was springtime, and we were going for a drive up in the hills. And... We were by ourselves, it was a, not even a two-lane road, just a hill, a road cut into the hillside, and we're winding like that, hillside here, Long Canyon down there. And we were in the sunlight when we went around into the shadows and hit black ice. And we are skidding towards oblivion. As we came around and we're on the ice, on this deserted road, there's a car coming the other way, and we had a head-on collision, which saved our lives. And we walked from that accident, had bruises and some soreness, but we walked. That was my first God moment. And I truly believe that it's written, there's a time for everything, and God had a plan. And the plan consummated with this wonderful lady and our awesome kids. And to this day, I'm grateful. And I would encourage all of you to think about some of your God moments and the effect they had on you. Whether they're small or, in my case, something I consider a pretty big deal. And may your God moments bless you as much as my God moment blessed me. Sometimes God makes himself known to us through events that leave no doubt that he stepped in to save us. Other times we meet him in the overwhelming beauty of the world he created or in the power of the ocean or or the peace of a sunrise. Um, those illustrate those moments illustrate the magnificent awesomeness of our God, who created all things. And at this time during the Christmas season, we're reminded that that very same awesome, magnificent God chose to come to Earth to be born as a child and live with us, so that we could know Him better. How awesome is that? He came to us. How awesome is it that we are loved by the very God who created the universe? This is the reason that gives me hope in this world where we are confronted with constant division and anger and we hear all the dire predictions of the end of our planet but God promises that his plans are to give us hope and a future. And he tells us that we're to put our hope in his unfailing love. Because of who he is, I can have that hope and know that he has the power and the ability to fulfill those promises to us. For me, my hope has a name. It's Jesus.
Psalm 62, we read, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And then in Romans, we read the words, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now let us go before that God in a time of prayer. Eternal God, we do not pray that you will come and be among us, for we know that you already are with us. We ask, rather, that you will open our eyes to your presence, that we will see you at work in us, in our neighbors, in our church, and in the world which you made and continue to love. In this season of anticipation, we pray that we might not only be mindful that you came to people 2,000 years ago as Jesus of Nazareth, but that we are sensitive to your coming to us now and in the future. Give us hope that in that future your promise will be perfected and your glory revealed to all flesh and your will done on earth. We pray for our church and its leadership. Session is meeting this week. Guide and direct all making decisions that they may hear your voice and do your will as they serve and minister to this whole community. We pray for our community. Send messages of your way among us to ignite a passion to do what is right. We pray your blessings on the world, the world into which you came and into which we are sent as your body. We pray especially for the world's victims. We pray that the promise of your birth, that peace shall come on earth, may soon be fulfilled. Be with all nations that are not at peace this day. Especially be with Israel and the situation in Gaza. Speed the safe relief of the rest of the hostages while protecting the innocent victims of this war. Encourage all who work for peace. We pray for those who need you, compassionate God. We pray for those who are lonely, who have no family or friends with whom to celebrate the season. We pray for those whose family circle is broken this holiday season, for those who are sick, for those who are worried about a family member or jobs or feel they are without purpose in this life. Give light to those in darkness. We pray for all who need your healing touch. Let your tender mercies shine on them. We pray today for Patty, Buzz, Keith, Terry, Dusty, Roberta, and Starlet. Send us your people to sympathize with the suffering, care for the sick, feed the hungry, cool the fevered brow, and comfort the anxious and bereaved. May our faith in Christ be evident in our compassion for others. God of grace, ever faithful to your promises, the earth rejoices in hope of our Savior's coming and looks forward with longing to his return at the end of time. Prepare our hearts to receive him when he comes, for he is Lord forever and ever. Hear us now as we join together in the prayer that unites us with believers everywhere. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we continue in worship, now is the part of the service where we participate with giving our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. I asked earlier, are you grateful? And I got a resounding yes. And from that place, we continue in worship. And this morning's tithes, offerings, and gifts are received. Oh. 
Wonderful. Thanks for doing all the heavy lifting, everybody. This is a wonderful, right? I forget this every year. Is my it's so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, we've begun Advent. Advent means arrival, like the advent of the wheel or the advent of what's something else that was that arrived. The automobile. Would you say fire? Somebody said fire. What? Babies. The advent of babies. That's wonderful. And that's what Advent primarily is about, the coming of our King Jesus in the form of a baby. Um, But it's also about his second coming, his coming back. And today I'm going to be preaching on the King of Hope, and we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 5. Um... I know a lot of people get a little, I don't know, sketchy or nervous. Revelation, okay, there's going to be some fire and brimstone and some, I don't know, just harsh, harsh things said and confusing things. Once again, Eugene Peterson comes through in a pinch. Um, He wrote a commentary on Revelation, and I think it's heads above every other commentary. And he writes that from, because Eugene Peterson, famous for uh, translating the Bible into the message, and we just did a series on Psalms. It was loosely based on his, um, his commentary on Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent. This one's Reversed thunder. And it comes from a line from a George Herbert's poem where Jesus' coming is like reversed thunder. And he has a, it's a really good introduction, and he starts talking about how his job as a pastor is to notice things, is to look and see God's details placed before him. And he says this about his commentary. This is, he says, so while others have written sometimes exceedingly well on the obscurities of this book, I have set myself to the task of not overlooking the obvious and have written what I have seen. And that simple idea for me unlocks this book the revelation of John and he makes note that John at this point which in, in which he's writing this revelation or given this revelation he's a pastor and so um, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 5 and we're going to look at the coming of our king of hope the second time Everybody still awake? Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so at peace. I don't know if I'm awake yet. I think I'm awake, but I think it's such a glorious... Mm. Let's, let's read God's word. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. And I began to weep bitterly. I began to weep bitterly because no one was found Worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. 
Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb. A lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, holding harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God's saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, preach through me. Use me as your mouthpiece. May my words drop to the floor and be quickly forgotten, and may your words that are preached through me never be forgotten and give us hope. And all God's people said, I think I'm going to use this thing. I saw when Lloyd was lighting that candle, I was really nervous. Did you see that? He was kind of backing up, and I was like, now I know exactly how everyone feels when I'm up here. (laughs) Right? Uh, All right. We look at Revelation for hope. We look at Revelation for hope, and we look at Revelation for urgency. As I was prepping for this, I was talking to several congregants, and I was just kind of asking them, what gives you hope? And it was interesting, very few were quick to give me an answer. Most said, I don't, I don't know. But I know right now we need hope more than ever. And I think that's been said for several generations now. Is that true? Amen? I think that's true. But it always feels like we need it more than ever. Right? As I was reading, were you listening and not missing the obvious? Let's walk through the passage. John sees this this vision. You know, he sees this throne. And comes an angel and says, Is anybody out there that can open this? He sees a seal. It's got these seven seals on it. Is there anything? Is there anyone that can open this? John seeing none. What does he do? He weeps. He weeps. This is Jesus' best friend. He knew Jesus all his years of ministry. He saw him do all those miracles. 
In context, there's been the, the, the seven letters to the seven churches, and so things are looking pretty bleak. And John is, is in this vision, and he's, he's in it. And there's everybody that you can think of in the room, and no one, no one can open the, this seal. Then you get an elder. What does the elder say? There is somebody. There is somebody. He's the Lion of Judah. You ever seen a lion? I remember we were in Chicago. We were living in in Muskegon, Michigan. We went down to, we would do these little trips, and we went to this trip, and we did a weekend um, down in Chicago, and they have Lincoln Park Zoo, and it's just in the middle of the city, feels like, and they have this lion. And it's weird, because it doesn't look like anybody's taking care of this lion. I don't know. It's just out there. But for some reason, this lion felt like showing off. And he starts roaring. And I tell you, my kids were little ones, and they were scared. And it was echoing off the buildings, and it was, it was for, it's insane. How I was I'm, I was felt really little in that moment. I remember this conference, John, right? Yeah. But then what happens? Then what happens? N.T. Wright says this, and now we come to the most decisive, one of the most decisive moments in all of Scripture. What John has heard is the announcement of the lion. What he then sees is the lamb. Imagine that moment. Put yourself in that space. The elders just said, hey, P.S., the elder right there, Presbyteros, right there, right there. Presbyterian said, anyway, little shout out to us. Elder says, the Lion of Judah, he's going to come back and he's going to be like King David. Do you remember when King David was on his rolls? He would come into town, enemies would flee. They would run and duck for cover. So John's looking over the horizon, he's expecting the lion. What does he get? He gets the lamb. He gets the lamb. I go on and N.T. writes, quote, he says this, um, The lion is the symbol both of ultimate power and supreme royalty, while the lamb symbolizes both gentle vulnerability and through its sacrifice the ultimate weakness of death. But the two are now to be fused together completely and forever. Do you follow that? He's the lion and the lamb. He's the lion. He has the power. But that power needs the lamb to be unleashed to meet us as broken human beings. To meet us as sinful, messed up God's creations. The lamb redeems us. The blood of the lamb redeems us. And saves us. In Reverse Thunder, Eugene Peterson calls chapters 4 and 5 the last word on worship. And I had two sermons. I have two sermons on the table. And I was like, no, I shouldn't go for the long one, right? Everybody say amen to that. But the one that was based on this, it has, and I highly recommend to read this, to get in Revelation over this week and read chapter 5. 
over and over. Have God breathe his hope into your daily living. But Eugene Peterson says, worship centers us. It gathers us. It reveals. It sings and it affirms. And the only one I'll talk about is the affirms right at the end. But it does do all those things. But I'll go the shorter route. Once again, amen? You got three songs. First is to the kingdom of priests. The kingdoms, the kingdoms and priests start singing. What do they start singing? They start singing the new song. How long have we been waiting for the new song? A mighty long time. They start singing this song. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about his worthiness as the lamb. All about praising Jesus for taking on the cross. Being crucified, dead and buried and rising again. Then the second song. What happens during the second song? The choir rolls in. The choir of what? The choir of myriads and myriads of angels. The choir of thousands and thousands of angels. And that special music. What's the name of this instrument? The dulcimer. The hammer dulcimer. Do you hear she's playing masterfully? Beautiful, right? Just receiving it. Then you add Danny's vocals. You know, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. He's, he's doing his thing, right? And then what happens? Cornell starts playing the organ with his elbows. No, he doesn't. He just starts playing the organ and starts beefing it up, right? That's exactly what's happening here. But you'll see it's on a, it's on a global scale. First the elders and the priests. Then the choir rolls in. I get this picture. There's a band called The Killers. They're out of, this ba- they're, uh, out of Vegas. And they do this song called, um, what's the name of that song? I don't know. Malia doesn't know either. She doesn't. But it, it's the last track, or one of the last tracks on their first album. And they add a, a choir. And the guy starts, the, the singer starts, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And then this choir starts coming behind him, and there's just a wall of sound. I got soul. And then the guitarist goes, bam, bam. It's sick. It's a really good. I highly recommend this song because it's a foreshadowing of what's happening right here. Because then what happens? Everything. What does everything mean? No, everything. Everything. It's the same vision that Paul has in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Every creature. Every creature. Think about that. What's your dog's name, Carol? Daisy. Daisy. What's Daisy going to sound like? <laughs> right? Screaming out praises to the Lamb of God. I've got mittens and I've got, what's the other cat's name? Oscar. I've got mittens and I've got Oscar. What's the whales going to sound like? What are the crabs going to sound like? What are the sloths going to sound like? What is every creature? There's a worship leader out of uh, Waco, Texas, a guy named um, Dave Crowder, yeah. He takes that hymn, All Creatures of God and King. He redoes that, and then he adds a little chorus onto it, and he, he ends with a crescendo of every blade of grass will sing. Every blade of grass will sing. Because John says... Everything under the water, everything on earth, every living creature, everything will sing praises to the Lamb of God. If that picture doesn't give you hope, 
I don't know what will. And then how does it end? I'll end it on, on Eugene Peterson's things that happen in worship. It affirms. He quotes, he says this. The German scholar Schleier concludes his study on the word amen by saying, in the amen of Jesus, the whole of Christology is contained in a nutshell. When we Christians sing, say, or shout amen, God hears our unequivocating assent to his irrevocable yes to us. The yes of our Redeemer Lamb. The yes of our Creator King. Do you follow that? It's all the very last word on worship is amen. And why do we say amen? Amen meaning just yes. Verily, verily, truly, truly, may it be so, but mainly yes. We say yes, we say amen because God says yes to you first. He says yes to me first. Our Redeemer says yes, Walden. Yes, Marsha. Yes, fill in your name. Yes. And we respond with a... I left it really confusing. That was awesome. Because some people said yes and some people amen. I think it's the same thing. How do you apply this text? We studied this text last night and Saturday night. And a guy named uh, Daniel Lusk, you may know his grandmother. You may have known his grandmother. Daniel said, you don't. It's like when you hear the music and he just filled in the harp. But you could fill in this morning the hammer dulcimer. I got it. It takes me a little second, but I got it. The hammer dulcimer. You sit and receive. Have you ever been somewhere where you just hold out your arms and you just want to take in more of it? I'll give you an example. The first time I saw the Grand Canyon, I remember we had scheduled like 30 minutes. We were driving. I was moving to New Jersey. We were moving to Costa, from Costa Mesa to New Jersey, and I was going to be the youth pastor in New Jersey. And we had scheduled 30 minutes at the, at, the, at the Grand Canyon. And that was one of the bigger mistakes of my life. That's what I feel like. Because I remember just getting out of the car and seeing it, and I remember thinking, I could sit here for two weeks and not be bored. And I remember just going like this and saying, I want this in me. I think that's how you apply Revelation chapter 5. I think that's how we, we apply this picture that John has laid out for us this morning. We... We spread out our arms wide, we spread out our legs, and we wait for the dawn of redeeming grace. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. Sear this vision upon our, our brains. Seal it to our hearts. Tattoo it on our souls. Your dawn of redeeming grace is coming. You choose us. We say yes to that back. And all God's people said. The carol we are about to uh, sing owes an explanation because I didn't finish the one that I had last year for the same thing. So, the name of the carol is How Great Our Joy. Um, 
Last year I was talking about the effects that were used during the medieval and especially the Renaissance times even later. And the churches were adapting that uh, for good use in music. And uh, I took as an example um, uh, the cathedrals of France. But the same thing holds true to Germany or England, same way. But I took France because I know that better. So I was talking about the Saint-Sulpice Cathedral in in, uh, Paris. Now I'm going to talk about the Notre Dame. I know it's closed now because it's closed for the repairs. But they are bent on opening next Christmas in 2024. So that's something uh, to celebrate. It's going to be very busy service uh, up, you know, there, I would say. <laughs> okay, now, uh, I told you that these cathedrals were built uh, for, la- you know, use of large congregations. So any of them could have up to 350 feet length. So it's a lot of space. And they, uh, they were master um, acousticians that were building the churches that you could talk as a pastor and be heard 300 feet later. Uh, that science is lost. They died with this. But the churches never sound very, very good for organs, for choirs, for congregations, for everything. Now, I'm going to take the example of the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. You had the big organ in the back and the big choir there. And let's say organist was Louis Vienne. And on the other hand, 300 meters uh, the other side, you got the smaller organ and the smaller choir. And guess what? They were singing off of each other. Okay, one was very loud, one was soft. So, uh, PCC Cathedral, please do this song in the same idea that they're doing back there. You're going to say, joy, joy, joy. And then we're going to have the soft uh, uh, repeat of that. Joy, joy, joy. I'm trying to use two organs, a loud one and a soft one. And we're going to use a church doing very loud and soft. Let's try to do this. <clears throat> May God's face shine upon you, and the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit guard and keep you, and may the peace of Christ which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, forevermore. Let it be so. Can I get you guys to say amen?